Welcome to the Peckway Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. At Peckway, our mission is to transform lives by connecting people with God and with each other. It's our hope that this message will give you hope and encourage you to take the next step in your journey with Christ. For more information about our services and weekly ministries, visit us at peckwaychurch.com.
Well, good morning once again. Go ahead and have a seat. So great to see you. Let's watch this quick video and then we'll continue. It's Father's Day, a time to celebrate all the wonderful fathers out there. Not just for being shining examples of how great a dad can be, but also for being wonderful reflections of who God is. Like God, you've provided for us. You've shown us how much you care from the very beginning. With God, you've guided us, helping us navigate through every decision, big or small. You've been present. It sounds so simple, but it's so important. Just knowing you're there when we need you. You've been patient with us helping us to grow and learn from all the mistakes we make. And like God, you forgive us, offering us grace so those mistakes can never define us. And most of all, you've loved us unconditionally as only someone filled with God's love could. So today, we thank you, dads, for all of this and so much more. Happy Father's Day. Well, thank you again for joining us on Father's Day. We're so glad to celebrate together with you as we celebrate our dads or those who've been like a father to us. And so uh, it is our honor and privilege to do that with you here today. Inside of your bulletin is a gray connection card. I'm going to invite you to go ahead and take out the card. And uh, would you please begin filling that out this morning? That's for all of us here present online. There's going to be a connect link in your chat window, and you can fill out that digital connection card as well. And if you're a first-time guest with us today, you can simply take out your phone and text the word hello to 717-872-5679. And uh, again, you'll get a, a link there. Click on that link, follow the prompts, and fill out that uh, digital card. Real quick and easy way to do that as well. Um, also, on the back of your card and there in the, the uh, Connect link online, you'll find a space to, uh, to write your prayer requests. We love to pray along with you guys. And you can also ask questions, uh, make comments there. And uh, we, we read all of those things. We, we uh, love hearing feedback from you and uh, praying along with you uh, and seeing what, how God's working in our, our lives as we share those things together. You know, we've been going through this family series, and uh, today we're continuing that. And uh, I think we're wrapping that up actually today. And what a no better day to wrap that up than on Father's Day. And we're going to talk about being a parent. And that is one of the hardest jobs I've ever had in my life. And so nothing can prepare you. Uh, I always thought that about just having kids as well. There's no manual, right? There's, you don't know what to expect. People tell you, you know, well, this is what it's going to be like. But until you experience it, you don't really know. And so same thing with parenting. It's the hardest job, but it's also the most rewarding. And so we're going to look into God's word today and see how we can be a better parent, whether we're a mom or a dad. Uh, and so we're looking forward to do that. So have your notes ready. They're in your bulletin today. They're also online. There'll be message notes available for you. As we celebrate Father's Day, I want to give away a couple of gift cards today. So make sure you fill out that card there in front of you, both online and in your bulletin today. 
And uh, I wish I could give all of us a gift card. So, but dads, I'm going to kind of cater it towards you because that's what we're celebrating. So, but ladies, if you win the card, feel free to, you know, let your husband use it or you can just keep it for yourself. I'll let you decide on that. So, but please be sure to fill that out today so we can uh, be sure to draw your name and get that to you if, uh, if that's what happens. So, well, let's, uh, let's keep turning our attention to worship today. You know, I realize that maybe, you know, we... We have those ups and downs in our relationships with our family and perhaps with our dad. And maybe your dad uh, has passed away. Um, We can still honor your dad today or maybe that rocky relationship. What I want you to do, though, is I want you to focus on what God tells us to do. It's so easy for our minds to grip onto the negative things in our hearts and our lives, right? But this is what what God tells us in Philippians 4.8. He says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I want to encourage us to do that today as we think about our dads. Think about the ways that he did encourage you. Maybe those, those things we saw in the video um, where he was like God. And God uses those men in our lives to encourage us, to give us examples, to show us what he is like. And so this next song that we're going to sing together talks about our praise is a weapon. So the enemy loves to bring those negative thoughts to our mind. So would you let God use the power of his Holy Spirit and praise to bring those positive things to your mind, those pure, those lovely, those admirable things about your earthly father and also about our heavenly father. Would you stand as we sing together as we praise him? Silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it rise. Let praise arise. We sing your name in the dark and it changes everything. We sing with all we are when we claim your victory. Let it
what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. foundation that we can put our feet on, that solid rock, because he never fails. So let's keep worshiping him for that this morning, his precious promises to us. Just ask the waves if they are stilled at the mention of his name. The same, my God is still the same. Ask the walls if they still fall at the mighty sound of praise. The same, my God is still the same. When did he break his promise? When did his kindness fail? It never has, never will. My God is still the same. mercy change never has never will my god is still the same same as the grave if it's strong enough to keep hope in its chains it'll say my god is still the same Stop proving my God is in control. 
still the same. My God is still the same. Aren't you glad that God is still the same? He never changes. His promises have never failed. And that's why we can count on him to be a good father, because he doesn't change. We can always expect the same from him. He gives us unconditional love. You know, I've been, as I was reading this week, I've been reminded several times of the benefits of following God. And that's because he has redeemed us. He's rescued us. He gives us an eternal place with him that we're always in his presence. He gives us his Holy Spirit that helps us walk each day in our Christian life. And so, you know, those are just just a couple highlights of the reasons that we can worship him today and say that he is a good, good father. Let's worship him.
thank you that you are a good father and God that we can know today that we are loved by you God that no matter what we do um, father you always love us you tell us of your unconditional love and so I'm thankful for that today Lord I thank you uh, for the examples that I've seen in my life uh, Lord through my father through uh other men, coaches, Father, just godly men, and the examples that they give us uh, that have encouraged us, uh, Lord, to uh, hopefully those times to, to look to you, Jesus, to see your example, Father, your unfailing love as we've spoken about already today. Uh, God, the songs that we've sang have reflected on your character and who you are, God. And so, um, Lord, I pray that as we listen to this message today, as we listen to uh, the words through the Bible, Father, that you, the examples you've given us of what a father looks like, how we can be good fathers. Um, Lord, may we be um, encouraged, and Father, may our hearts be convicted, maybe if we're not walking in those areas. And so speak to our hearts now. We thank you for your presence with us. We thank you that the Holy Spirit is here stirring our hearts today, Jesus. And we pray and ask all these things in your holy name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to come live with you. Wait, why in God's name would you want to live with me? Because you're a normal, boring adult. I bet you take me to Chuck E. Cheese. What makes you think I'm so boring? You just are. It's good. At your age, you're supposed to be boring. I'm the same age as your dad. Tell him that. Hello? John, it's Portia. I have Nelson. You do? He's fine. He is? Yes, he's fine. Thank goodness. Nelson, you know how much I love this statue, right? Yeah. 
rode a horse three days throughout a Mongolia in pouring rain, living off a mare's milk to bring it back. That's right. And I've dragged it place to place across the world ever since I was 22. That is nothing. Nothing compared to how much I love you. Please don't scare me like that again. Why? You do it all the time. What, hide out in cars? Run away. I'll never run away from you. And going across the world and helping people is not running away. I know, but why can't we ever just do what I want? Because you are a kid. I'm an adult. What I say in this house goes. This parenthood thing. Oh, it's a disaster. So I hear. I'm screwing it up. Am I screwing it up? You asking me? I don't know. It's just Nelson and I have always traveled. I wanted to give him the kind of life I didn't have as a kid. I wanted to give him the opposite of what I had as a kid. But now, all of a sudden, he's turning into my mother. You know, he plays bridge. He listens to Light FM. He asked for a blue blazer with gold buttons and anchors on them for Christmas. Does your mom wear blue blazers? No, that was my father. I don't know. How is it possible? What am I doing wrong? At least you're trying. I mean, there's so many different kinds of parents. There's no one best way to do it. Or so I have gathered with my vast experience reading personal essays. Matter is, parenting stuff, isn't it? I mean, it's a demanding, difficult job. And so I absolutely agree with the question they ask, you know, am I messing it up? It's a question many of us ask. And I would suggest to you, as tough as parenting is, what makes it tougher today, in my opinion, is that we have multiple voices out there trying to tell us what to do, how to parent. And so the question I want to look at today is where do we turn? Where do we go? Where can we look for guidance, help, and advice? I mean, where do we go for a model of what it looks like to be a parent? Well, for us today, dads, where do we turn for a model of fatherhood? And I would just say to you in response to my own question, that rhetorical question, there's only one person that we can turn to who fully and completely is qualified to be that model because there's only one person in all of human history who has ever done the job perfectly. And that person, as you probably have guessed, is God, our Heavenly Father. That's why Jesus said this, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. In other words, be whole, be complete, be the Father that you're intended to be. So what I want to suggest to you today, and what I want us to look at today, is the key to being a good parent, the key to being a great father, is for you and I to treat our kids the way God, our heavenly Father, treats us. Which is why today, on Father's Day, what I want to do is I want us to look at God's model for fatherhood. So let's just jump right in. Let's get moving. Let's take a look at what we need to do if we're going to follow God, our Heavenly Father's example as a parent, as a father. Here's the first thing we need to do. We must understand our children. We must understand our children. Take a look at what David writes in Psalm 103. He says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Now underline this, for he knows how we are formed. That's the key phrase, at least for me this morning, in that verse, is he knows how we're formed. In other words, what that verse is telling us is God knows what makes us tick. God understands our personalities. He understands our passions. He understands, understands our strengths and our weaknesses. He even understands our temptations. And because he does, 
He can parent us, he can father us perfectly in the right ways. And for that reason, if we're going to follow his example, folks, you and I must understand our kids too. We must know what makes them tick. For I think any parent who has more than one child recognizes that even though we have children raised in the same home by the same parents, invariably they're vastly different. They have different personalities. They have different passions. They have different strengths. They have different weaknesses. But folks, if we're going to follow God's example as parents, as fathers, we need to understand and appreciate those differences, those uniquenesses. We need to focus in on what makes them unique. Now, having said that, uh, as many of you know, I did not grow up really going to church. I was around the church, but I really became a Christian later as a young adult. But when I came back to church, I remember hearing parents continually reference one particular verse when it came to, you know, struggling children, difficulty, disappointment as a parent. Invariably, I would hear parents go to Proverbs 22.6. Most of us probably have that memorized, at least can paraphrase it. Here's what it says in the NIV. It says, train a child in the way he or she should go, and when he is old, he will not depart or turn from it. Now, let me tell you how I heard that, and I can remember this because, again, not growing up really around these things, it, it, it registered with me as a young adult as I began to hear parents speak. Here, here's kind of how I heard, even sometimes in my own family, I heard parents kind of interpret that verse. It was something like this. If we as parents, when our children are young, are intentional, very intentional about taking them to church and teaching them Bible and praying with them, then if, when they get older, perhaps as teens or young adults, they stray, they turn away from God, we can trust in the fact that at some point they'll come back to God. Now, folks, I understand the spirit of what parents were saying and the understanding of reading that verse, but I need us to understand that there's two things wrong with that interpretation. The first thing wrong with that interpretation of, of, that, of that proverb is the fact that we take it as a promise. But it's a proverb. And a proverb by its very definition is simply a statement of something that is generally true. Not always, but generally true. It is not a promise. The second thing we need to understand that is it doesn't, that, that interpretation isn't keeping with that verse because of the word way. In fact, I want you to underline that. That is the key for you and I to understand what that scripture is saying. It says, train a child in the way he or she should go. Because that word in, in the original language means style. It means bent. It means temperament. It refers to personalities. So what that verse is actually saying to us is that children, by God's design, have certain bents, certain biases, certain personalities and temperaments. And that's why the Amplified Bible paraphrases or translates it like this. It says, train a child in keeping with his or her individual gifts or bent. In other words, folks, the point of that verse, what God is communicating in this through that proverb is that we need to know our child's gifts, abilities, talents, strengths, disposition, weaknesses, and direct them in keeping with that. Does that make sense? We're to direct them. So let me give you, for example, from my own family. Our oldest, Bryce, from, from the youngest I can remember, that boy loves sports. I remember pitching him him balls in his crib and literally batting balls from the crib. He loves sports. And so all his life, we have purchased sports equipment. We have put him in sports. Our second oldest, Miles, could care less about sports. But that little guy from, again, the youngest I can remember, he was constantly taking things apart, constantly trying to figure out how things work. And so rather than buying sports equipment, we bought him tools. We continually encourage him. So let me give you to your life. If your son or daughter hates snow, do not sign him up for ski lessons. Okay, if, you're, if your son is musically inclined, then don't force him in, into football or baseball or basketball or soccer. 
If your daughter is gregarious, if she just loves being around people, then don't constantly keep her at home. In other words, mom and dad, what that verse is saying to us is we are to, if you will, work with the grain in our kids' lives. If you're familiar with woodworking, you don't work against the grain, you work with the grain. And that's what God's saying there, is we need to know the uniquenesses, appreciate the uniquenesses, the way has shaped a child, and then work with it. And folks, the proof that we are doing that Regardless of what we tell ourselves, the proof that you and I are doing that for our child is we're patient with them. In other words, folks, we, we, we don't get frustrated when they don't like the things that we like, that they don't get passionate about the things we want them to get passionate about. Instead, we're patient with them. We, we are long-suffering. Solomon said this, a man of understanding has patience. So if we're truly going to appreciate and understand our child, our children, then folks, we begin by being patient with them. We begin by recognizing how God has shaped him or her, and we encourage them in that direction. We, we cultivate them in the direction, and that leads us to the second way we're going to follow God, our Father's example, in being fathers or mothers, and that is by we must accept our children. We must accept our children. Now, I am convinced, absolutely convinced, that all of us here today recognize that we're not perfect people or parents. Could we agree on that? I don't think any of us are foolish enough to believe that in any way we're perfect, not by a long shot. And here's the reason I say that. Because God recognizing my imperfection and your imperfection, nevertheless, in spite of it, with the imperfection, God still accepts us by His grace. That's who He is. That's why He is, we sang, a good, good father. And folks, God wants us to do the very same thing for our kids. He wants us to accept them with their imperfections because we love them, because of our grace for them. David writes this. It's one of my favorite verses. David writes, children are a gift from the Lord. Now, folks, I believe that to the depth of my soul. And I would just say to you, if you believe that, then what we need to ask ourselves is this. If children truly are a gift to us as parents, as as mothers and fathers, then we need to ask ourselves... Have I accepted God's gift to me? Have I truly accepted God's gift to me? Because using your DNA and my DNA, God fashioned our children just the way He wanted them. To be exactly the person He intended. God did not make a mistake. We need to ask ourselves in light of that, folks, am I accepting God's unique gift to me? Even though maybe my child doesn't have the passions that I'm interested in or or share my disposition, am I accepting the unique gift of God that God has made my child? Paul wrote this, accept one another just as Christ has accepted you. Now here's the reason I share that verse with you folks, because I have been a parent now for almost 30 years. Some of you have been longer than that, but I've been a parent long enough to make this confession to you folks that if we're not careful... And I mean that. If we're not careful, we can unintentionally send signals to our kids that basically communicates this to them. You need to be just like me. You need to love the things that I like. You need to be passionate about the things that I like. You need to be good at the things that I'm good at. So if I was good at school, you better be good at school. If I love sports, if I love hunting, you better love sports and hunting. If we're not careful, mom and dad, we could send signals to our kids that say, if if you're going to be accepted, because that's really what they hear, They hear from us when we say those kind of things to them, intentionally, unintentionally. What they hear is the only way I could be accepted is I need to be like dad. I need to be like mom. I cannot be myself and be accepted in this family. And folks, listen to me. If we communicate to our kids, it is a tragedy. Because what we're communicating to our kids, and some of you know this to be true in your own life, what we're communicating, what our children hear is this. 
God made a mistake when he made you. And folks, that's just not true. In fact, that is an utter, complete fallacy. It's an absolute fallacy. But if we're not careful, we can get so caught up in wanting our kids to be like us, to care about the things we care about, we can unintentionally not accept the unique gift that God created in that child, that son or the daughter. Let me give you the third thing that you and I need to do. If as fathers, if as mothers, we're going to love our children the way God loves them, to be and follow his example, we must, number three, discipline our children. We must discipline our children. Take a look at what the Hebrew writer tells us. He writes, the Lord disciplines those he loves. Now just let that marinate in your mind, because really what that says, quite simply, is this. A sign of God's loving us is that he disciplines us. That's what, that's what the Hebrew writer is saying. And, and because he says that, and because that is true, take a look at what Solomon wrote. If you refuse to discipline your son, or you can insert your daughter, it proves you don't love him. Now, that's counterintuitive in our culture today, isn't it? He says, if we do not discipline, if we refuse to discipline our children, it proves that we don't love them. And so I just want to say to you this morning, Mom and Dad, contrary, Grandpa and Grandma, contrary to how it may make us feel, contrary to how it may make, might make our children feel, if we let them get away with anything and everything, according to Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, the gift, a man gifted by God with wisdom, he, he's saying that is proof that we don't care enough about our children. And again, the reason he says that is, look at the next verse. He said, discipline your children while they are young enough to learn. If you don't, you are helping them destroy themselves. Meaning, folks, if you and I don't discipline our kids, we are setting them up for a lot of pain, a lot of problems, a lot of heartache and heartbreak later on in life. Even as children, we're setting them up for, if you will, for disaster. Now, in light of all that, and especially in light of those three verses, what I want to do is just pause for a second and make sure we're absolutely clear about the difference between discipline and punishment. Can we do that? Can, can we just take a few minutes? I don't have this there on your outline. You might want to write it somewhere. But let me just kind of compare and contrast discipline with punishment because it's absolutely essential, folks, if we're going to do this, follow God's example that we need to understand the difference. Let me give you the first contrast. The purpose of discipline is for you and I to promote growth in our children's lives. In other words, to help them develop, to train and develop our sons and our daughters. In contrast, the purpose, purpose of punishment is quite honestly to inflict penalty. It's to make them pay for the wrong that they did. So that's the first thing. Discipline is focused on growth. Punishment is focused on penalty. Here's the second. The focus of discipline is on the future. We want our sons, we want our daughters to live better lives, to be better people, to, to be men and women eventually that honor God. But in contrast, the focus of punishment is on the past, on the thing that was done wrong. That, that's all we're focused on is we just want to deal with the problem that's already taken place. The third way they're different is the motive for discipline, and we know this, is love. It's absolutely love. It's to see our kids succeed in life, to have a better tomorrow. But the difference, and again, we know this from personal experience, the, the, the focus or the motive, rather, for punishment is anger. We're just frustrated. We're frustrated with what they did. We're disappointed. We might be embarrassed. But the bottom line is, the motive is, is our anger. Let me give you one other comparison. The intended outcome for punishment, folks, 
And, and the eventual outcome, rather, of punishment is fear, guilt, and ultimately, many times, resentment. In contrast, the motive for discipline, the outcome, is security. Ultimately, our kids realize and recognize there are boundaries in their life. There are safe boundaries in their life. And, and so here's what I want to say to you. In light of all that, folks, the best way for you and I to tell beyond a shadow of a doubt if we're really, regardless of what we say to ourselves, that we're really focused on disciplining our kids and not just simply punishing our kids is to watch their reaction, especially with young kids. In other words, and here's the reaction you're watching for. Are they afraid of me? As they get older, are they becoming embittered toward me? For take a look at what John wrote. John wrote, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And, and so to help you and me really make sure that, that we are focused on disciplining our children and not just simply punishing them, let me give you three keys that we need to keep in mind continually. And the first is this, is that we need to do it calmly. We need to do it calmly. Because Solomon wrote this, a fool gives full vent to his anger. And so the self-evident principle is this, folks. We should, never, we should never correct our kids in anger. That shouldn't be our motive. That shouldn't be driving us. Here's the second. The second principle we need to keep in mind continually is we need to do it quickly. In other words, we, we should not allow a, a significant gap or time to pass between, if you will, the infraction, the issue, and the discipline. Because take a look at what Solomon wrote. He said, whoever does not discipline his son hates them, but whoever loves him is prompt to correct him. Would you underline that? We're prompt. Now, again, that doesn't mean we're so prompt that we react in anger, that we are not calm. But the third thing we need to do, the third principle we need to keep in mind is we need to do it sparingly. We need to do it sparingly. Take a look at what Paul writes. He said, fathers, do not scold your children so much that they become discouraged and quit trying. Here, here's what I learned from that. And that, that's one of those verses as a young man before I became a father and a young Christian that really scared me to death. And I'm being serious with you because I said, Lord, the last thing I want to do is discourage my children. The old NIV used to say, don't exasperate your children. The reality is, folks, here's what I want to say. Here's the principle we need to hold on to. When it comes to correcting our children, make sure we're focusing our discipline on inappropriate actions and attitudes and not every little infraction, not every little thing that happens. We need to do it sparingly. And so if we're going to, to follow God's example, our Heavenly Father example, first, let's just review, we must understand our children. Second, we must accept our children. Third, we must discipline our children. And let me give you the fourth. The fourth thing we must do is we must express love to our children. We must express love to our children. Now, again, I'm going to share another assumption this morning in my life and in this message and in this church, and I really do believe that all of us who are good parents love our kids. I mean, I just don't know how you can be a good parent and not love your children. And I also believe about all of us is that every good parent expresses love for their children the best they know how. Would you agree with those two assumptions? That loving good parents, you know, good parents love their kids and they express that love the best they know how. But here's what I want to say to you. To follow God's example, to become a great parent, folks, we need to learn how to express love to our kids in the ways they understand. We need to express love to them in ways that they understand. And so again, let me just real quick give you three ways that we can express love to kids that they understand. And the first way is through compassion. <clears throat> through compassion. Take a look at what David writes. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. In other words, what David is telling us is that God 
has compassion. God is gracious in any and every interaction. God's, God's, everything God does is saturated with His grace. And so if we're going to follow His example, if we're going to truly follow His model as our Heavenly Father, then folks, the same needs to be true of us in our interactions with our kids and how we deal with them. Here's the second way that we can express love to our children in a way they understand is that is through affirmation. Affirmation. James writes this, A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. And the reason I share that verse, folks, is the simple fact that you know and I know that we shape our children to a large degree by the way we speak to them. We shape their identity, we shape their security, we shape their self-confidence in the way that we speak to them, the way that we talk to them. And so it's imperative if we're going to follow God's example that you and I make sure that we're building our kids up rather than tearing them down, that we're encouraging them rather than discouraging them. And again, let me just share with you a couple ways you could do that. One of the best ways to do that, I believe, is to brag on your kids when they could hear it. Sincerely brag on them in their presence. Let, let them hear you tell the friends, neighbor, family members, pastor, church member, how wonderful they are, how, good, how well they did the other day. And also, I want to encourage you folks to completely and continually tell them how thrilled you are that God put them in their, your family. That if you could do it all over again, if God would ever give you a choice, you would choose them above every other kid in the world. That's how we affirm our children. That's, that's how we begin to communicate that worth to them. The third way is this. The way we communicate love to a child in a way they understand is through attention, through giving them our attention. In fact, the experts would tell us that's the number one way children understand our love for them and, and really can comprehend that love. And again, folks, one of the best ways I have found in my own life and watching parents who are incredible parents, the, one of the best ways to show attention to our kids is by simply listening to them. That when they're speaking to us, we look at them. We don't keep watching the TV or keep our face in the phone. We, we look up and we give them our full attention. We pay attention to them. Take a, take a look at the next verse. David writes, the Lord is near to all who call on him. And folks, again, if God is our example, then what we as parents need to understand, he wants us to be equally attentive to the calls, the concerns, the conversations of our children. Let me make it a little bit more practical. Let me move out of the biblical for just kind of the, the, if you will, the academic. Cornell University a few years ago did a study of the interactions between fathers and their children. And, and the way they conducted the study was kind of interesting. They literally put microphones on the little kids and they just listened in for weeks. And, and there's a lot of things they discovered, but what I want to share with you this morning, one of the interesting things they discovered, unsettling things they discovered, is they found the average father in that study spoke to their child 37.7 seconds a day. You heard me right, seconds, not minutes, 37.7 seconds a day. Now folks, compare and contrast that with the amount of time we see kids spending on cell phones and social media. And when we think about that, we've got to ask ourselves, so who really is shaping our child's values? Who is really being our child or our grandchild's role model? Mom and dad? or some social influencer. And so folks, I want to suggest to you one of, the, one of the obvious extreme needs in our culture today, in families today, one of the missing essential pieces is conversation and communication. 
And yet, I want to say, in light of that, I want to hasten on to say, yet with that, that's one extreme, because there is another extreme at play, I think, in our culture today that's equally dangerous, equally damaging to our children. And that other extreme, folks, is what I'm going to call an over-attentive parenting style. In other words, folks, it's a parenting style that makes everything in the family revolve around the wants and desires of the child. And the reason that is dangerous, the reason it's damaging, again, they've done the studies, folks, and what's, what's interesting is they found over and over again that what happens out of, because of that, the unintended outcome of that parenting style is they're finding children becoming equally self-focused and insecure. Rather than pr- producing security, it's actually producing insecurity because mom and dad in some way are communicating to the child, I don't think you're able to function on your own. And so, folks, as parents, if we're going to follow God's model of fatherhood, of of being a parent, then we need to avoid both extremes when it comes to expressing love to our children, when it comes to truly being attentive to them. We need to avoid both extremes. Well, that leads me to the fourth or fifth and final way that you and I can follow God's example as fathers, as mothers. And, folks, that is we must be consistent with our children. We must be consistent with our children. Take a look at what the Hebrew writer writes. He says, Jesus does not change. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, he's always totally himself. And I'd love some time to just preach on that verse because there's so much there for us just personally, not just as parents, but as just individuals. But moms and dads, in light of this morning, dads especially, we need to remember that we are constantly, constantly teaching our children. That's the reality. We're constantly teaching our children, for they pick up everything we say, everything we do, and so we need to recognize that they're watching us 24-7, which is why I shared that verse with you from Hebrews, folks, that like Jesus, we must live consistent lives, because if we don't, they will pick up the inconsistencies. In other words, it's wonderful that we come to church on Sunday morning, bring them when we sing, you know, onward Christian soldier. But then if we go AWOL the rest of the week, it just confuses the kids. I mean, it's wonderful that we model for them, you know, and and we teach them and we read to them and we say, you know what, honey, son, live like you'd rather have Jesus than anything. But then they watch our lives and we live like we'd rather have anything than Jesus. The kids pick up the inconsistency and it confuses them. And it distanced them. That's why Solomon said this. It's a wonderful heritage to have an honest father. Now, I don't know any of us here today online in the room who would disagree with that. Yet the question, anytime we read those verses, at least I'll tell you how I approach those verses when I read something like that. I go, yes, but how? How do we live it out? So let me just give you two ways, folks, that you and I can demonstrate honesty to our kids. And here's the first and most obvious one. Don't ever imply perfection in your life. I mean, folks, be honest with your kid. Admit to your children, even little children, when you blow it, when you make a mistake. Say to them, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Daddy missed it. Daddy messed up. For one of the most effective ways for you and I to model honesty with our kids is simply open and candid with them about the fact that at times we blow it more often than we'd like to admit. But be open and candid with them about the fact that you make mistakes. The second way we can model it is to keep our promises. And we sang about this this morning. We saying he's a good, good father. He's perfect in every way. Folks, listen to what David said. The Lord is faithful to all his promises. 
And the number one cause, this isn't going to come as a shock to any of us, but the number one cause of bitterness among children, guess what it is? Broken promises. Mom and dad didn't do what they said they would do. And folks, listen to me. Here's the reason I'm stressing this, especially on Father's Day. Folks, if as earthly fathers and mothers, but especially earthly fathers, our kids learn they can't trust our word, then what do you think happens when they come and they come to church and hear God promises? They go, I I can't trust dads. I can't trust the heavenly fathers. And the research is there, folks. Dad, the research is there that if we do not keep our promises, our children, our children struggle to believe and trust the promises of God. Now, having said that, again, let's be honest. Let's do, let's not imply perfection. Let's start with me, folks. I'm going to tell you, I've messed it up many, many times in varying degrees on this level, in this area of consistency in my life. And I suspect all of us have. And so the best thing we can do is to say to our kids when we do it, when we blow it, when we're inconsistent, say, I'm sorry, I let you down. I've messed up. Then look that child in the eye and say, Daddy, Mommy is asking for your forgiveness. Daddy and Mommy is asking for a second chance. The opportunity to try again. And here's, sorry. And here's what I know about our kids, especially young kids. Most of our kids are far more gracious and forgiving than we are as adults. And they will look at us and invariably say to us, okay, let's try again. Folks, some of the most profound moments of grace in my life is when I've done that with my children. And so don't, don't in any way imply perfection and do all that you can to keep your promises. And when you fail, apologize. The final verse in the Old Testament, you might recognize as the final verse on this morning's outline. It's Malachi 4, 6, and I want you to notice what it says, because it's appropriate and applicable today on Father's Day. It says this, God, speaking of God, He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And folks, 2,500 years later, God wants to do that as much today as He did then. God, as much today, wants to see the hearts of fathers turn toward their children and children's hearts turn to the Father as He did 2,500 years ago. And here's why. Because the strength of any home, the strength of any church, the strength of any nation is no stronger than the strength of the relationship between mothers and fathers and children. The strength of a nation, the strength of a people, the strength of a church is no stronger. The strength of a home is no stronger than the relationships that exist between mother, fathers, and children. So my prayer today as I close is simply this for us dads. That we will commit to follow our Heavenly Father's example. That we will choose intentionally to understand our children to accept our children, to discipline our children, to express love to our children, and to be consistent with our children. Because God wants you and me to be men and women who our children can honor. Men and women who make it easy for our children to live out that fifth commandment that says, honor your father and mother. And folks, I believe if we'll do that, many of the problems we're seeing in in our country and our world today We'll get addressed in a way no other solution can. Let's bow our heads for prayer.
With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I, I recognize that some of us here today as, as fathers, and like myself, you have grown children. Or you have growing children. And you're today here, if you're honest, and, and we're talking about honoring you, and the truth is, if you'd say to yourself, if you could say it out loud even, you'd say, you know, I feel like a failure. And if that's where you're at today, Dad, can I remind you that you have a Heavenly Father who's gracious and forgiving? And all you need to do is say to Him right now, Father, forgive me. I've not been the Father I needed to be. I haven't been the Father I wanted to be. Help me to change. Give me a second chance and a fresh start. Others of us here this morning as, as fathers and perhaps we're feeling overwhelmed by the responsibility of it all. Maybe because of something that's going on with our kids or in our family or maybe because of something I said this morning, but you're just feeling overwhelmed. And if that's how you feel today, I want you to know I get it. I really do get it. But can I remind you to remember that we have a model as a father and so we just need to keep telling ourselves, if I treat my kids the way God treats me, I'll do okay. I'll do fine. Or maybe you're here today, and Pastor Scott mentioned this just a little bit ago, but maybe today you're struggling with Father's Day because you feel, or maybe it's a fact, that your father failed you. Maybe in some awful way. Maybe in some incredibly inconsistent, painful way. And so Father's Day for you, quite honestly, is a difficult time. It's a difficult day. But without minimizing that, trivializing that in any way, can I just simply encourage you to remember that God did use your Father to bring you in this world. And so you could honor Him for that if for nothing else. And in doing that, you can, in fact, honor and keep the fifth commandment of honor thy father and mother. Now, having said that, I just want to say one more thing to us this morning. And that is, can we just recognize and admit to ourselves that none of us, including our fathers, are perfect or ever will be perfect? And in light of that, I just want to invite us all to pray. Just say, God, will you turn my heart toward my Father? And will you turn my Father's heart toward me? Will you bring us closer in our relationship and in our family the way you intended it to be? Friends, God knows everything about us. And he still loves us. And because of Jesus' death on the cross, he has shown us compassion, he has shown us affirmation, and he has shown us attention. And so right now, I just want to encourage you to say, Jesus, in light of all that, make me the person you want me to be. Make me the son you want me to be. Make me the daughter you want me to be. Make me the father, the mother, the husband, the wife, the grandpa, the grandma. Make me the person you want me to be. Because I want to follow your model for loving my family. Heavenly Father, thank you for being our perfect Father, for being the one that we can look to as our model, not only for parenting, but for doing family, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, Jerry, for that message today. I hope that you have been encouraged and inspired uh, by what you heard um, and how the example that God has given us uh, and the model that he's given us for fatherhood. And so and, uh, as a result of what we heard today, I just want to encourage you on your gray card and online. Um, you know, one of the hardest things I think for many of us is accountability. And we can make a decision and we can think that we're going to follow through. But unless we have somebody to help keep us accountable, that's hard to do. And so on that gray card today, if you want someone to pray with you, maybe about uh, any of those things that Jerry's brought to light today, maybe a struggling relationship with your father, or you don't know how to, you know, what is the next thing I need to do with my kids? Would you allow us to, to partner with you and to pray with you? And we can put resources in your hands. We've got great classes. I know Missy's teaching a class, I believe, now, or maybe he's wrapping that up. But a, a great um, resource is helping you know how to parent a, a, a preteen or a teen and with how we deal with uh, phones and Internet and those kind of things. Those are the things that we are here for, to help partner with you and help you um, walk through. And so... And, you know, another, another thing that's hard for us, maybe as men or maybe as, uh, for all of us, but is our pride. Don't let your pride get in the way today. Would you swallow your pride, let, uh, write on that card, and allow us to partner together as men and women of faith and to pray for one another as we learn how to be a better parent. Thank you again for your attention today, for worshiping with us on Father's Day. I hope to see you again next week, and enjoy your day.